God in prayer this morning. God, we uh, stand, uh, sit, kneel, raise our hands, sing to you uh, this morning, God. Uh, Lord, we praise you for all you have done for us, God. You declare to us that every good and perfect gift comes from you, God. So we thank you for that which we have. We thank you for those in our lives that you've blessed us with, God. We thank you mainly for relationship with you. God, as we gather here this morning to hear your word, uh, to hear from your spirit, I pray that you would encourage us, equip us, bless us, God. God, if there be anything in our hearts that you need to uh, convict us of or challenge us with, I pray that we would be receptive to that, Lord, and that we would offer those things up to you. Uh, Lord, we pray for those in our community and beyond who are suffering today with illness, that you would bring healing. God, we pray for those who are suffering in broken relationships, that you would reconcile, Lord. For those who um, find themselves in depression or anxiety uh, at this time of year or at all, that you would bring healing and restoration, God. And we'd even ask for joy. Uh, God, I pray that what we do today and throughout this week would bring you glory and honor. Uh, and praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, good morning. Uh, welcome to Free Church. I'm glad you guys are here. Um, you uh, braved the blizzard um, that we experienced today. Um, I'm praying that we can rebuild um, after this week. And I saw a couple um, specks of snow on my bark dust this morning. And um, you guys were very bold to drive in such conditions today. So you will be blessed for your efforts Um, So, we wrapped up last week uh, a series called Little Kids, Big Faith. I enjoyed that series. It wasn't long enough. Um, I'd say I'd love to do it again, but there's not a lot of stories of children in the Bible. And so, maybe in 10 years, we'll just do it all over again. Uh, But today, we're going to be starting a new series called Just Simply Giving or Christmas Giving is what we're going to be looking at and what it means to live a life of generosity Before we get into the message, just uh, share a couple of uh, announcements with you. I know that Stephanie and Ladina shared some a minute ago. But I want to just prep you for New Year's. Um, So on New Year's Day is on a Sunday this year. And so we welcome 2023 on Sunday, January 21st. So we're not having services on Sunday morning, January the 1st. But we are having services Sunday evening, January the 1st, at our downtown location at the Ike Box. And so that's going to be Sunday, New Year's Day, January 1st at 6.30 p.m. It's very tempting to call this, to look at it as a a New Year's evening service. But that is confusing because that sounds like a New Year's Eve service. So it's not. It is a New Year's Day nighttime service. Of, of worship, and so if you've um, if you've been joining us downtown, we've been having a great time. Last week was like a disaster of technical difficulties, and so thank you for your patience last week with us. Uh, but we had pie, right? We we had pie, and there was some interesting pie. There was some good pie, and all sorts of pies in between. And so it was a good time. But we're going to be doing that on the first, and then going forward for 2023, we will be doing that downtown service on the first Sunday of the month instead of the fourth. So the first Sunday of the month in 2023, and that will likely become weekly within a couple of months. We'll let you know uh, when that will happen, Um, but join us on that particular day. So with that being said, uh, I want to have you open up your Bible to the entire New Testament, and 
we'll be going through a couple of passages that are there, but I want to look first at Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. And I'll, I'll add to this to paraphrase. He says, Where earth is where moth and rust destroy your treasure. Earth is where thieves break in and steal. So Jesus says, don't store up all your stuff in earthly things. He says in verse 20, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Because in heaven, moths and rust does not destroy. And in heaven, thieves do not, cannot break in and steal. He says, do this because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, most of us, whether we grew up in church or not, or dependent upon our Christian background, most of us have heard of this concept of not laying up treasure on earth, and specifically of the concept of where your treasure is, your heart is. But we always see this in our culture, in our society, we see this as wrong. Typically, how we look at this is as if Jesus said, Where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. But Jesus says where your treasure is, your heart will be. And you say, well, Pastor, that's semantics. What's the difference? There's a big difference. Because what our society tells us is that the things that we care about, that is where we will invest our resources into. And that's partially true, but the real truth is that where we invest our resources, that is where our heart will go. Most of you don't love working out. Most of you don't love exercise. But when you put in the effort, you start to like it. Where your resources, your time, your energy goes, that's where your heart goes. Most of you did not care about the school that your children went to until you put your kids in that school, and all of a sudden you cared tremendously about that school because where your treasure is, Your heart goes. You see, love, our hearts require an investment. Love requires sacrifice. So when we give to something, when we give of something, that is the very thing that we care about. And so in marriage, the problem, again, in our society is that it teaches us that if you are not in love 24-7, then you need to get a divorce. But how many of you who have been married longer than an hour know you're not in love 24-7? Love is something you work on. And so if you invest into your relationship with your husband or your wife, your heart will follow. Jesus says that in Revelation chapter 2. He says, remember how things used to be. Repent of where you're at and start doing those things that you did when you fell in love. And so if you walk away with anything today, just know there are things that your heart will not be into because your heart doesn't want to be stretched or challenged or convicted. But if you begin to invest into things that you know are right, Jesus himself says your heart will follow. So what are some things you need to invest in for 2023? Things that you might not want to do, things that you don't like to do, but you know you need to invest in so that way your heart follows. So Jesus says where your treasure is, your heart is. Let's talk about Christmas now. How many of you love giving gifts? You love giving gifts. How many of you love getting gifts? 
That's me. I love getting gifts. To be honest, I don't like giving gifts. Um, it is stressful. I do not know what to get for people. And um, I just need to be told as a man, this is what I expect this year for Christmas, for my birthday, for Valentine's Day, etc. I'm not going to get creative in my gift giving. It is not in my DNA. But I love to get gifts. And I love to be surprised with gifts. I love to have gifts given to me. And so think back for a moment on the best gift you ever received in your life or maybe as a kid. What, what is the best thing you received at Christmas time? And I, I've told these stories dozens of times over the years, so I don't want to bore you with stories, but I can just think of just very special gifts that I received from video game systems to video game chairs to tycoon hovercraft, remote control vehicles, things that meant so much for you to get on Christmas. What is the greatest gift that you ever got? What was the best gift you ever gave? And if you gave that gift, and if you thought this is the best gift I could ever give, was it reciprocated? Were you actually appreciated for giving that very gift? What do you love to get? What do you love to give? So at Christmas, we focus so much on buying gifts. We focus so much on wrapping gifts. That's something I don't like to do either. Thank God for grocery bags. Don't even need to... Don't even need to spend the dollar for a gift bag. My wife's like, we need to save this gift bag because it'll save us 99 cents. And these wrapping utensils we've had for 20 years, if you throw them away, we're through. (laughs) And year by year, they just gradually go in the garbage and I like sneak out in the middle of the night to throw them away. (laughs) We focus so much on sending gifts. Even that's stressful, like will the gift get there in time? Giving, getting, uh, we focus on exchanging gifts. Exchanging is important for size, but sometimes you just don't like the get you got, and you go and you exchange it for something else. You see, we actually don't really know whether or not this is the origin for giving gifts. Like, you can't make a very direct equation to the birth of Jesus and giving gifts. There's a lot of, just to be honest, like pagan holidays that go into this. We're not against Christmas. We're not against gift giving. We're not against Christmas trees. But we like to connect this to the wise men who gave three gifts to Jesus um, at some point when he was a little boy. Um, uh, a little spoiler alert, it didn't actually happen on Christmas. Jesus wasn't a baby when he got those gifts. I just, I just ruined that for you, I know. Um, We also connect it to, of course, God giving his only son on Christmas, which probably happened in June. But hey, here we are in December. But giving should not be reserved for Christmas. How many of you would like to get gifts all year long? Not just for Christmas, but like how many of you were like, I just love to give gifts all year long. You see, Christians, if if that's what we are, Christians should be living generously all year long. Christmas is just a day on the calendar. Easter is just a day on the calendar. We live and celebrate the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus all year long. And so we should be living generously all year. Why is that? Well, that's because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20 that he came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. 
So just think about that as, as you go about your week this week, that you should be living not to be served, but to serve. You should be living not to get, but instead living to give. And Jesus said himself that it is more blessed to give than receive. Uh, we find that in Acts 20, and it's said that, remember when Jesus said this, but Jesus' words are not recorded in the Gospels of him saying this, but the early church knew that Jesus said, it is more blessed, you are more blessed to give than to receive. And I think I'm just starting to figure this out myself, because I really do love to give good things to, to my children. And it actually is satisfying to give to them And I'm on a level where it's just as good as getting something myself, but I think as maybe someday when I have grandkids, it'll be even better to give than to get. And so this is the life, a life of generosity that we are supposed to be living. And so I want to challenge your thinking on on giving and generosity and serving for just a moment. And I wrote down this list, and, and as I was writing, I was like, these in order to give, you have to be given too. You can't give anything. If you've never been given anything, you'd have actually nothing to give. And so I want you to think not about giving, but about receiving for a moment. What are some things that you have? What are some things that Jesus has given to you? If it's more blessed to give than to receive, what have you been given so that you can give? Well, Jesus has generously given us his love, his life, his grace, his forgiveness, his acceptance, his relationship, his spirit, and his everlasting life. These are things that Jesus gives to each and every one of us. And we must receive those things if we ever want to give those things away. And so we receive what Jesus gives to us in and by faith. Hebrews 11 says this. The author of Hebrews is the spirit of God leads him, he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God wants you to trust in him. God wants to give to you good things. Now, we are not a prosperity church that teaches that you'll always be healthy if you love Jesus, that you'll always be happy if you love Jesus, that you'll always have all you want if you love Jesus. But God wants to give us good things, whether in this life as we know it or the life as we will experience that is to come. But he wants to give us good things. He doesn't want us to just have life. He wants us to have life abundantly. And so he gives and we receive in faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So every single thing that you have, it came from one source. It came from God, everything. Everything you have came from God. James, the brother of Jesus, says this. He says, every good, says this. He says, every good gift Every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is faithful. He is consistent. He is everlasting. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God gives good things. And so every good thing you have literally is from God. 
Your spouse is from God. Your children are from God. Your grandchildren are from God. Your cat from God. What if before the fall, cats would ask to be let outside and poop in a toilet and come back inside? That would be a perfect gift. Um, Your dog is definitely from God. Your job is from God. Every penny in your bank account or wallet is from God. Every single thing you have is from God. Most of us agree with that. But here's where we fail. Everything is from God, but also everything remains God's. It's still his. My kids, they're still his. My house, his. My wife, his. My friends, his. My body, his. My time, his. My money, his. Everything that those who dwell in the world are God's. Everything God gives is still his. And so this is where we get this this phrase, this term, this word, stewardship. Stewardship is a word we don't use very often in our culture today, but you and I are just simply stewards of what God better for us. We will die and we will leave those things behind to someone else. We will give those things away. You and I are just stewards. It's from God and it is God's. So being a steward is taking care of our master's stuff until he returns. Now, I'm not going to read through the whole story, but there is this story in Matthew chapter 25. And if, if you grew up in church, you might know this story as the parable of the talents. And I'll just kind of quickly paraphrase the story But Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a master who went away on a journey and he left with three of his servants some money. And a talent is a basically an amount of money, which was an incredibly large amount of money. And so Jesus says, the master gave to one five talents, to another two, and to another one. It says he gave each of them according to his ability. So every bit of money that those servants received, it was from their master, and it was their master's. And it says when the master went away, two of the servants, the one with two and the one with five, put those talents, put the things they were stewarded over to work, and they made a profit out of them. They made more out of them. Those things became more things. The one with two had four, the one with five, ten. I may be getting the numbers wrong, but you follow the point. But it says that the one, the one servant that was given only one, he was mad that he just had one, and so he, he buried it. He didn't do anything with it. He's like, hey, my master is really harsh. I'm just going to bury this. I'm doing nothing with it. And so when the master returned, Jesus said when he returned, 
He, he gave um, praise to the ones who made more. And what the master said when he realized that his servants were good stewards and were faithful with what they were given, this is where we get this phrase that we say, especially at things like funerals, where the master said to the servants, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a little. Now I will give you more. Enter into the joy prepared for you. And so being a steward is watching over, taking care of our master's things. Well, what things are we talking about? Your time. Are you and I good stewards with our time? I can say certainly I am not. Our families, are we good stewards of our families? Are we good stewards of the relationships we have? Are we good stewards with our sexuality following God's path and plan and goodwill for our sexual lives that he's ordained since creation? Are we good stewards with our bodies? Most of us, no. Are we good stewards with our talents, things that we're talented in? Are we good stewards with our abilities, things that we're good at? Are we good stewards of our gifts, like our spiritual gifts? Are we good stewards with our money? Are we using and investing these things? Are we multiplying these things into God's kingdom? Are we doing good with these things? Are we being faithful with these things, and are we being obedient with these things? Because they're not ours. They're God's. And most of us just essentially mock God, practically curse God by saying, God, I know these things are yours. I know that you want me to take care of them. I know I'm supposed to be a good steward with them, but I don't really care. These aren't really yours. I'm going to do with these things as I please, as I want, because I know you to be harsh, and I'm just going to kind of get by, and I don't need to be a good steward because this stuff belongs to me. And if we do with these things as God commands us to do, if we take care of, if we steward our time, our energy, our bodies, our sexuality, our talents, our gifts, if we steward those things like God commands us, we will receive that acclamation from our master. Well done. In fact, we will receive more than what we were given to begin with. Um, there's multiple occurrences in the Bible where it uses this word much. We'll receive much more. And most importantly, we will experience the joy of our master. But when we do not do with these things what's commanded of us, what we do have will be taken away. And we will miss out altogether on true joy. You say, Pastor, why do you say that? Because the servant that did nothing said what he did have was taken from him. And it was given to the one who had more. And he was cast out of the presence of his master. And Jesus says in the story, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, this is not about a master and his servants anymore. This is about God and his creation. Calling on us to steward, to take care of, to be in dominion over the things that he's allowed to pass through our hands. And when we do that, we're blessed. 
But when we don't do that, we miss out on all God has. And so many of us don't truly live generously because we're not good stewards. And because we don't see ourselves as stewards of things that still belong to God, what that means is that we see all that we have not as God's, but we see all that we have as the one of the first words you and I ever learned. What's that word? Mine. How many of you love seagulls? What's, what's mine? When we see things as mine, we cling on desperately to what's mine. And we miss out on everything that God has to give. We see this in death. Many of you have experienced the death of a loved one. If you haven't, you will. And sitting at people's deathbeds, they, they tend to do one of two things. Um, some people on their deathbeds are at peace with the Lord. And though they would like to live longer and spend more time with us, they are at peace knowing that God's about to take them home, and so they're willing to let go. Some of you have gone to the bedside of a loved one dying, and they were waiting to see you, and you literally told them you can let go, and they did, right? But I've sat at the beds of some people who fight, and they fight not just because they want to stay alive, but they fight because they see their life as mine. And they see everything they have in this life as mine. You say, Pastor, do you know if they are in paradise with Jesus or if they are being tortured? I don't know. That's not, thank God it's not my job to judge. But I do know that I don't want to be clinging on to what was mine at my deathbed when Jesus wants me to be able to let go and trust him because hopefully I had been a good steward with this life and I am wanting to enter into the joy of my master and I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we do weird things when we die. Look at our ancient cultures. Look at ancient cultures who buried themselves literally with, with games. I mean, the Egyptians literally buried their dead with games and their cats. They thought they could take it with them. They really did. But we can't take it with us. What we have in this life, which is actually God's, which God has given to us and we are stewards of, we are blessed to have it in this life. But the life that Jesus offers us perpetually is far greater than anything you could ever hold on to and say mine. And there's this thing called a monkey trap. And I don't even know if monkey traps are real, but they're, they're stuff of legends, 
And the legend of the monkey trap is that you can put some sort of a treat that a monkey would like, let's just say a banana, (laughs) into a jar with a narrow opening. And if the monkey wants to reach in to grab the banana inside that narrow opening jar when he or she clinches their fist, they can't get it out because their fist is larger than the opening of the jar. I don't remember when I learned this, but I've seen my kids and other kids do this very thing where they put their hand into something and they can't get it back out because they've clenched their fist. It's a lot like life. Many of us miss out on all that God wants to give us in this life or the life to come because we're holding on so tightly to what is mine that when it's time to actually receive what's mine, we can't even get our fist out because we're trapped with our stuff. This is a good way to look at debt, actually. What are you trapped in? What is it in your life that is holding you to something that if God told you to let go, you wouldn't be able to because your fist is too big? We're stewards. We cannot carry U-Haul trailers behind our hearses. We have to be willing to let stuff go. Here's the passage we'll end with. Mark 10. We call this story the rich young ruler. Mark 10, verse 17, this is not a parable. This is an actual account. It says, as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before Jesus and asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This man saw Jesus as a means to get something as opposed to seeing Jesus as a means to relationship with God. This man should be giving to Jesus, but he asked Jesus, essentially, what can you give me and what do I need to do to receive it? Now, the question is valid. It's good. We should actually ask, what must we do to live forever? What must we do to go to heaven? But a better question would be, what must we do to be in relationship with God? Verse 18, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Bingo. That's Jesus' little subtle way of saying, that's, that's me. You're asking me, the only one who's good, what good thing you think you can do to receive what I have to give you. So the guy's like, oh, I got this. Verse 19, well, Jesus says, um, You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't defraud someone. Honor your father and your mother. So Jesus says, okay, you want to know what you need to do to inherit everlasting life? Jesus says, just be perfect. It's that that easy. Be perfect. And the guy is so into what's mine that he basically says, that's me. I'm perfect. He says, I've kept all of these laws since I was a kid. I'm good. But he knows he's not good. And so he says, Jesus looks at the young man, and and it's weird. It says, and loved him. So Jesus is not annoyed with him. 
He loves him. He, he's going to really engage with him on this heart level to let him know what he needs to do to have everlasting life. So Jesus says to the man, you lack one thing. There's one thing you lack. Okay, you said you've done it all, but there's one thing that you don't have right. He then says this, so go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Pay attention. Being a steward doesn't mean giving everything away. But it does if Jesus asks you to. Doesn't mean you give everything away, but you're, you will give everything away if Jesus asks you to do it. So what's the one thing the guy lacked? The one thing he lacked is the first commandment. He didn't love God with all his mind, heart, soul, and strength. And because he didn't love God with all he had, that means that he did not love his neighbor as himself. Instead, this man loved his wealth. This man loved all that he had. And as a result, he put himself first and not God first. This man, by very definition, he was laying up all of his treasure on earth. So earthly things is where his heart was. You might say, well, pastor, is it a problem that I am wealthy? Not at all. Do you have wealth or does your wealth, like this man, have him? Nothing wrong with being wealthy. But if your wealth holds on to you, what you think is mine, you are actually the possession of the enemy who's declaring over your life mine. See, this guy put himself first. He laid up his treasures on earth. But earth and all that's in it is going to pass away. And so if you store up all your treasure on earth, figuratively or literally, it's, it's, it's all going to burn up. Where your treasure is, your heart is. Jesus told him that if he would give up his possessions and invest the money from those possessions into his kingdom, that then the man's treasure would be laid up in heaven, and there he would be rewarded. But he couldn't do it. The, the rich young ruler couldn't do it. He didn't see his possessions as God's. He saw them as what? Mine. Mine. So he could never be a good steward of them. Following Jesus would require cutting his ties to where his heart was. But because he clung to those things, because he refused to let those things go, he missed out on all that awaited him in heaven for following Jesus. This man would not experience well done. This man would not experience more. This man would not experience 
joy. Verse 22 says this. Disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. I've actually had some people argue with me. Pastor, we don't know if the man followed Jesus or not. Yes, we do. It literally says he did not follow Jesus. He went away because he couldn't let it go. Temporary happiness from our possessions can cause us to miss out on eternal joy from the one who gives them. And I've got to say, a lot of times, the majority of my time is spent on seeking temporary happiness. When in reality, I've got eternal joy waiting for me that far surpasses the iPhone 28X Pro Super Plus. This temporary happiness that we live for, it could cause you to miss out on joy. Following Jesus is the way to get to heaven. Jesus said, oh, you want to know what what it takes to enter into everlasting life? Have you noticed the last thing Jesus said was, follow me? Following Jesus is the way to get to heaven, not giving away our money. But if your love of money keeps you from following Jesus, then your reward will not be heaven. Your fate will be with the earth where you've laid up your treasure. You guys get this? It's not our stuff. It's not our life. It's his. So many of us would not be able to let go of what we have if he asked us to. But here's how you and I read the Bible. A lot of us would say, oh, he's so stupid. I'd lay it down. If I was the rich young ruler, and if Jesus himself told me to sell him my stuff, give it to the poor, heck yeah, I'd be down to follow him. But the thing is, If you've never laid any of it down, you won't be able to lay it all down when he asks. Think about it. If we're not giving to him now, however that looks, and I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about everything. If we're not giving to him now, we're not going to give it when he asks. One of my least favorite things to hear as a pastor is this. Pastor, if I win the lottery, if you're not faithful with your $40,000 a year, you're not going to be faithful with $40 million. Where your treasure is, your heart is, we have opportunity to put on training wheels for generous living. And those training wheels are called, start with what you've got now. Well, when I have my life put together, then I'll serve God. Your life ain't ever going to be put together. 
And if you're not serving him now, you're not going to serve him later. This is how it works. We're not going to be willing to do something when we have a lot if we're not willing to do it when we have a little. Because it's a lot easier to give away $10 than it is to give away $10,000. And even if you've got $10 million, $10,000 is going to be very hard for you to give when you couldn't give ten before. What is it in your life that you're not willing to let go of? If we'd say, you know, I'll do it when, I'll do it if, then our heart's already in the wrong place because our treasure's not in the right place. It's not laid up in heaven. So if you want to live generously, you and I must start by being good stewards of what we have, using, investing, multiplying what we have into God's kingdom, doing with what we have, doing good with it, being faithful with it, being obedient with it. You have to be willing to give it all away and not cling so tightly to what's mine. Because it's not mine, it's his. And if that's a phrase you can remember all week, that'll help much. It's not mine. It's his. And if you let it go, he has so much more he could give. There are things in my life that God has called me to let go of that I have not wanted to let go of. But the times I have let go, every single time he's given me more than I let go. Money? Just anything. Money's not the goal here, guys. God gives so much. And every time we let it go, he does give us more. It doesn't make sense, but it is a natural system he has put into place that what you sow, you'll reap tenfold. So are you a good steward? Are there things in your life that you're not willing to let go of? Is there anything in your life right now you're supposed to let go of? So God can give you something better, but you're too afraid to do it. Um, Kim, can you come up and lead us in a song here in a minute? If I could have you guys just uh, close your eyes to eliminate distraction, if that helps, or if you need to bow your heads, you can. If you can put your phones down for a second, hold out and go into the bathroom for just a minute. Even though God may not call you to give everything away, he wants everything you have. And everything you have is what we call your heart. God wants your heart. He wants relationship with you. He gave it all so that we could receive all he had to give. 
so instead of being concerned about, well, what, what thing in my life might God call me to give up? If, if you live your life with open hands instead of clenched fists, it'll be easy to give up what he asks. But ultimately, he wants it all. And that starts with your heart. And if it really came down to it, for us, like, maybe giving away time or energy or, or service or talents or money, maybe those things aren't in and of themselves very hard to give away, but it's very hard to give away your heart, especially if your heart's been broken before. But Jesus wants it all. Don't focus on what he said, sell your stuff, give to the poor. Focus on what he said, follow me. And ask yourself, is there something tethering me to where I am so that if Jesus told me to follow him, I would not be able to because I'm tied down? Jesus, I'll follow you, but first let me go bury my father. Jesus, I'll follow you, but first let me go put my property in order. Jesus, I'll follow you, but... I have too great a possessions. Anything that gets in the way of us following Jesus is a chain that holds us back to where our heart is. And that's in this earth. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Because what we lay up there, moth and rust cannot destroy. Thieves cannot break in and steal. And so if we invest our heart into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is where our heart will be, and more importantly, the kingdom of God is where our eternity will be. But if all of our stuff, if all of our treasure is stored up on earth, earth is where our heart will be. And God forbid, earth may be where our eternity would be, things which pass away. But God wants you relationship. He wants you to be able to let it go. I had a talk with a missionary friend this week, and missionaries, I know many of them, are always moving from place to place, always going where God says to go. You say, well, that's, that's a special call on their life. Oh, it is. To do that, you've got to give up everything. Because I ask questions like, oh, how are, you, how are you going to pay for that? How will you live? How will you survive? Where, where will you live? I don't know, but God will provide. And in a moment's notice, if God says to go, they go. That's who I want to be. That's what I want for all of you. My job as a pastor is to equip you for the work of the ministry so that if God says go, you're so used to living open-handed that you'll go and your closed fist will not get in the way. God, we thank you for this word today. Um, God, not one of us here is even close to living out this example. God, I pray that we would see our heart as yours. God, I thank you that you've given so much for us May we understand it came from you, 
It still belongs to you. And if you ask us to give it, we'll give it away. If there's anything in our life, relationship, addiction, habit, sin, anything in our life, our wealth, our stuff, our time. God, if there's anything in our life, our, our sexuality, our quote-unquote freedom that would hold us back from being who you've called us to be, going where you've called us to go and laying up our treasure in heaven, God, please put in our heart the strength, the ability, and even the desire, God, to let it go. Thank you, Jesus, that our religious performance won't get us into heaven like the rich young ruler thought. Thank you that what gets us to heaven is you. So, Jesus, we choose to follow you. If there's anyone that would say this morning, interesting message, but I don't know Jesus. I'm not following Jesus. I, I want relationship with God. I want my sins forgiven. I want God's grace I want to spend eternity with him. I would just encourage you, give Jesus your heart. Surrender your life to him. Jesus said, whosoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. Paul said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, not your stuff. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. The book of Acts, the book of Romans says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So I'd encourage you, if that's you today, if you desire relationship with Jesus, just in your own words, begin to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I surrender to you. I, I'm willing to leave whatever you ask to follow. If you'd say, I, I know I have relationship with Jesus, and I know Jesus is where I will spend and who I will spend eternity with, but I'm not being a good steward, and I, and I want to be if Jesus asked me, or I'm not being a good steward with, I know things he's asking me to be a good steward with now. I'm just not. I'm not following him. I'm not developing training wheels for generous living. And that's my desire for me and, and for you as well. So as we sing, we'll have some people up uh, in front by our stage that would love to pray with you. You need prayer for anything today, healing, restoration, reconciliation, depression, anxiety, fear. If you need prayer to be a, good, a better steward, we'd love to lay hands on you, believe with you in faith that God will work and move in your life. And when Stephanie comes and dismisses here in a couple minutes, we'll, we'll stick around to pray for you as well. So could you stand with me? God, we give you this time of worship and prayer. Uh, God, challenge us, convict us, call us to let go of whatever you ask in Jesus' name. Amen.